So we're going to dig into Ephesians chapter 6. Of course, this week, talking about parenting, talking about, uh, well, first of all, the responsibility of children and the responsibility of parents. So I'm going to ask all you parents to go back to the children's ministry, collect your kids, and bring them back into the sanctuary. I'm serious. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I thought about it. Last night, I was like, you know, this might be really great and chaotic, (laughs) but uh, we trust that they're being taught how to obey their parents in the children's ministry, but uh, no, so we are continuing here in Ephesians, and as we do, we've been looking at God's proper order for the family for uh, how he has designed, how he has ordained within marriage between one man and one woman. That is it. That's the only uh, way that God has ordained marriage. And that is what sets up for success in the family, God honoring success. And now today we continue with the family and how God in his infinite wisdom desires the family to grow. Today we get into the responsibility of the child and the responsibility of the parent. And so verse 1 tells us, first of all, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Any kids in the room? There are a few today. Listen up. One of them just waved to me. What's up, buddy? Listen. And your parents are saying, yes, please, listen. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, Here is the address to the kids. Now, first of all, we want to rewind for a moment and be reminded of how the family is ordained by God and how it is all set up and that children are a result of, what did we talk about last week? So much we talked about oneness, right, between husband and wife, and that oneness brings forth Children, right? The the two shall become one flesh, physically speaking. That oneness between a husband and a wife brings forth children. Now, it's not just a physical thing, but there's spiritual implication behind this. And that's what Ephesians is going to drive home for us and give us a picture into this oneness is so vast. It's so important that we focus on this oneness moving forward as parents, as grandparents, as individuals in our marriages and living our lives. We are one with Christ. This oneness is a big responsibility and it's a high calling. Because it sets the family up. As we talked about last week, guys, this is what God has ordained to make the world go round. In his glorious, infinite wisdom, this is what he has set up to make the world go round. Children come from that oneness. They are not a source of the oneness. Now, so often, we get it the other way around. As parents, we try to achieve oneness over parenting. We try to figure out, okay, how we can be one in the kids. And so many times you see later on in life that that people are getting divorced after their kids are out of the house. They've just been holding on for the kids. And then the kids grow up, they move on, and so now the, the parents say, you know what, we're getting divorced now because we just can't get along. 
And we talked all about marriage last week, but listen, the kids are not the source of the oneness. They're a result of the oneness. Parenting as God desires is between husband and wife, and so often we attempt to find oneness in our children. But now there's a responsibility for children. Simply put, obey. That's what I tell my kids all the time. Obey. Why? Because the Bible says so. It's not me. It's the Bible. Listen to God. Obey. God has put the authority of your parents in your life according to his infinite wisdom and perfect plan. Kids, listen to this. God has put them in your life as your authority, like it or not. God who is sovereign, God who has a perfect plan for you, put your parents as your authority. And so, because God has done it, now this is unto the Lord. And God has done this. God has set up this order so that from a young age... Children can learn submission. They can learn to obey authority so that they can learn to submit to God's authority. It's hard for a kid, just think about this, God has set up kids for success. Because it's hard for an infant or a toddler or in between or adolescent or pre-teen, teenager, young adult, it's hard to figure out how to submit to God in heaven, right? So God has given you an actual person, actual people in front of you, kids, so that you can learn to submit to them in your submission to God. God set you up for success. That's actually a gift. It's actually a blessing that you would learn to submit to God's authority. And we recognize this, God has given this authority because also kids need direction. Children are all born sinners, amen? They don't have to be taught how to sin. I got four kids, not one of them did I have to sit down and explain to them how to steal, how to lie, how, I mean, mine, right? They hit, they grab, they, they, pull, they want it their way, they're selfish, All of this naturally comes out. I don't have to teach any of that to them. Am I right? Parents, come on. Kids are like, no, I'm not like that. Yes, you are. You always have been. This is the sin nature. All kids are born sinners. All kids are born natural rebels. Do we understand that? We all have been born with a tendency for rebellion, like Adam and Eve. Once that sin entered in the world, they were, they were, God created them in his image, and yet they rebelled, and now that sin had, has entered the world, and here we are, all of us born into a sinful world. Kids don't need to be taught how to sin. They need to be taught how to obey. Children who learn to defy God-given parental authority go on to defy others in authority and therefore easily grow to defy divine authority. You see, that's why God set it up the way he did. 
so that we would learn to submit and not defy the authority of God. This is why gave us this order of the family that every one of us from a young age can learn to submit to God. Now it says that you obey your parents in the Lord, and this is, again, this is pointing us to the fact of this being unto the Lord. Focus on even the, the Christian home, right? This is Ephesians. This is a letter to the church. And so being a letter to the church, it's a letter to Christians. And so if we're talking about parenting, we're talking about parenting in the Lord. If we're talking about kids and you're, if you're a kid and you're being raised in the home, we're talking about the Christian home. And so it's being raised in the Christian home with Christ at the center of your home. This is unto the Lord. This is in the Lord. And, and, and that unto the Lord is similar to the submission of wives that we talked about and the love of husbands that we talked about in the marriage relationship that is unto the Lord. It's not unto another person. It's all unto the Lord. So obedience, children, is unto the Lord. It's not just unto your parents. And recognize this, as we are raised in Christian homes. Let's understand that to be a blessing. And some of you who maybe have not been raised in a Christian home, you could say a, a very strong amen to that. But if you're raised in a Christian home, you haven't maybe seen the other side. I was raised in a Christian home. I haven't seen the other side. And then, you know what I could tell you? There were times that I was kicking against it. I'm like, man, everything's so tough. My parents are so hard on me. Good thing. Praise the Lord for that. Because I needed that, and God knew that I needed that. So those are the parents that he ordained for me to have. It's much easier to submit if you've been raised in a Christian home versus a non-Christian home. Because it's unto the Lord. It's in the Lord. And he says, for this is right. It's a simple statement, but it's speaking about righteousness. It's not just talking about right and wrong. It's talking about righteousness. So if we are obedient children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is the righteous thing to do. It is something that you can do that is so like Christ. If you think of Christ as he submitted to the will of the Father and went to the death of the cross... So kids, you want to be like Jesus, submit to your parents, obey your parents. And, and this is, uh, kids, I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about little ones here. There's some teenagers here in the room, you need to listen up. Obey your parents. If you're still under your parents' roof, you're under your parents' authority, This is a righteous thing to do. It's plain as day. This is how you can be like Christ, and there's no arguing that. Now, meaning also that, let's be clear, disobedience, the opposite here, is wrong. So plainly put, for anybody who needs it, put that plainly, obey your parents because it's right. Don't disobey your parents because it's wrong. And we continue then, verse 2, 
It says, then honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, this is a a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, which is one of the Ten Commandments. To honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you, and the land which your, the Lord God, your God, is giving you. This is Deuteronomy 5.16, if you're taking note. But the, the command is to honor your father and mother. This is a further charge to children, and there's a, a separation here. Honor is not obedience. And so now it's maybe even going beyond the the adolescent stage, and it's speaking to adult children. Honor. As an adult, you may not be in a place where you need to obey your parents, but you need to honor them. And you think maybe they're not worthy of honor. Our relationship is broken. They've done so many horrible things, and we can't possibly have that relationship, but you can still honor them from a distance if it's needed. And you honor them through prayer and giving that over to the Lord and submitting the whole thing to God. And I understand that. This is a hard thing. And you're like, well, I have to have safeguards sometimes, right? Yeah, but you can pray and you could submit this unto the Lord. That's honoring because it's honoring to God. Now this, it says, this is the first commandment with a promise. The first commandment with a promise here is that your days may be long and it may be well with you. This is a reminder again, this is all unto the Lord. Usually we actually divide the 10 commandments. If, If we're teaching through it, we would divide the 10 commandments into the first four that are unto God, and then the last six that are unto man. But actually, in the Hebrew culture, uh, in those days, they split it up five and five. And they included this commandment as unto the Lord. Honor your father and your mother, because it is unto the Lord. Again, this type of honor is really being identified as Uh, similar to the submission of a wife and the love of a husband. It's unto the Lord. This all really boils down to our relationship with Jesus Christ. As a child, your obedience is unto the Lord, and therefore it's unto the parents, the authority that God has placed in your life. As you grow, your honor is still unto the Lord. And it it is to your parents, but it's to the Lord. A lack of obedience to parents leads to a lack of obedience to God. You see, it all comes back to our relationship with the Lord. And so now there's a promise. Interesting here, a good point on parenting. There's a promise, not a threat. Parents, we're really good at making threats sometimes, aren't we? Bargains, right? Do, you better listen or else. Isn't that the words that often come out of our mouths? And some of you are, some of the kids are looking at their parents and laughing right now, and some of you parents are laughing like I said that last night at bedtime. I said it this morning when we were getting ready for church. 
See, I leave super early on Sunday mornings, so I don't have to do that. But you see, it's a promise, not a threat. This is the command that for children to honor their parents. Not honor your parents or else, but if you honor your parents, then guess what? There's blessing. There's a promise in store. And that promise that it may be well and that you may live long that it may, that, to, that it, as it says, that it may be well, it's, that it may go well with you. Things are gonna be good if you're honoring your parents, if you're obeying your parents. And you're gonna live long. You're gonna be blessed with, with life. A child who grows up loving, honoring, and obeying their parents lays a great foundation for themselves of happiness, of stability, and of to, they would actually grow to be honorable then because of their honor. Rather than a child who's rude or disrespectful or self-willed or rebellious, there's a stormy path lying ahead for disobedient children. Resenting rules and authority. And this is some basic stuff that's bringing us back to the basic of the Ten Commandments, of the law, because that's foundational, and that's what Paul wants to identify for us. Hey, the Ten Commandments is clear for us. This is foundational, and we're going to go on beyond that, but for kids, for children, we need to make it basic and foundational. Obey your parents, honor your parents. But you see, as we, if we were to raise disrespectful, self-willed, and rebellious children, there's a stormy path ahead. There's destruction ahead in those things. And this is what society desires, to produce people who are determined to rebel against their parents and against Christianity. Remember, this is a word to the church. And society is dead set against that because the enemy is working hard to, first of all, as we established last week, destroy marriages, which then destroys the home. To produce people who are determined to rebel. And you know what the world wants? Not just people who are determined to rebel against their parents and against Christianity, but to fall in line with the ways of the world. However, we, the church, are to be different. In fact, God's purpose for marriage, Malachi 2.15, says that is to produce godly offspring. Our purpose is totally opposite from the world, which then leads us to the parents' responsibility in verse 4. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children. And here's the charge to parents. You see, the Bible is so perfectly balanced. Right? As we discussed last week, there's a word for the wives, there's a word for the husbands. And if we're worried about just pressing into Jesus and fulfilling our role, that brings a glorious balance. And now here, there's a word for children and there's a word for parents. 
that we would have this glorious balance in the ways of the Lord. And here we see this balance between wives, husbands, children, parents. And it says fathers. This is in reference to parents in general, but does give the responsibility of headship in the home to the father. Dads, you have a great responsibility. And this comes back to the oneness. And whose responsibility is the oneness? The husband. That's our responsibility as husbands. And that's our responsibility as fathers to maintain oneness. And let's be real, guys. Kids are really good at dividing and conquering. You need oneness in the home. How many times my kids come up to my wife, ask them a question, can we do this? Ask dad. Hey, mom said it's okay if we just check with you. Hold on a minute, let me check with mom. We have to work on that oneness sometimes. Okay, hold on. what did you say? I told them, I don't know, they gotta check with you. I'm like, yeah, no, you guys are trying to manipulate this situation. The answer's no. They try to divide and conquer, or, or if there's a difference among us as, as we're disciplining the children, and this is how one of us would handle it, if they get even a hint that mom or dad disagree on how the situation's being handled, they're like, aha, we're going to side with the one that's with us, the one that's more gracious, more lenient. And we're like, see, mom said, or see, dad said. They try to turn us against each other. These kids are really smart. Parents, get on the same page. That's what it comes down to. Get on the same page. And fathers, it's our responsibility, as we discussed last week, to be the priest of the home, to lead the charge in this oneness. That doesn't mean just take charge. I, I sometimes I'll get caught up in that and I'll just step in as there's maybe a, a, a negative interaction going on between the kids and my wife and maybe there's complaining and something that I don't like and I'll just step in and take over. And that's not fair to my wife. And as the dad, will, this is where it's gonna go. But you know, again, it comes back to oneness. It comes back to me supporting my wife, in, if that's the situation we're dealing with. Her supporting me, if that's the situation. If I'm dealing with the kids, then her coming alongside to support the way that I'm handling the kids. If we have difference or disagreement, we have to handle that quietly, away from them, because we can't allow them to divide and conquer. Now, also a word for single parents, because some of you may be here thinking, what about me? And you're a single parent for whatever reason that you're, you're at it alone, whether it is because of death, whether it's because of divorce, whether it's because you've not been married even. And there's all sorts of complications, right, as a single parent. But listen, you're still dealing with the same problem that the rest of us are dealing with, sin. Sinful little people. And we have an incredible responsibility to God. We have accountability to God and a responsibility for those sinful little people. God has entrusted them to us. 
God has entrusted sinners to us. Little sinners. He said, here. That's a high calling. That is a great responsibility. It says, do not provoke your children, meaning do not exasperate your children. And the charge here is that we would pay attention to who our kids are. They don't fit in a box, guys. I don't know if you realize that our kids do not fit in a box. There's no cookie-cutter approach to parenting. This is why there are literally thousands of books on parenting, right? You can get all these different books, and you could read every one, and they're all going to have some similarities, and then they're going to have differences. Why? There's no cookie-cutter approach. We can't just say, okay, this is how we parent And if you do everything exactly this way, here's your cookie cutter, here's the recipe, follow these instructions, and everything's going to be great, it's not going to be great. Every kid is different. I don't know if you realize that. I, I look at Pastor Dan over here in youth ministry. He's got lots of kids over there. He's like, yeah, they're very different. And he knows which of you parents are invested and which of you are not. You could talk to him later. He'll let you know. <laughs> There's no cookie-cutter approach. You see, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. As it says to train them in the way, it's speaking of the bend of who they are. Not to just allow them to go the way that they want to go and just allow them to do whatever they want, but so that you could learn them, you can study your children, and you can direct them to Christ. Leading them in truth is the essential, but it's also understanding that each kid has a bend, and it's our responsibility as parents to understand who they are and to direct them accordingly. Again, not letting them do what they want, and trying to deal with the repercussions, but knowing who they are so we can know how to teach them. We can know how to direct them. Further, not putting unrealistic expectations on your kids. That would provoke them. That would exasperate. Don't handle them harshly. It feeds their rebellion. Remember I said born rebels? That's who we're dealing with? If we deal with them harshly or if we're putting unreal expectation on them, we're provoking them to wrath, which is feeding the rebellion. I'm not telling us we all have to be soft as parents, guys, by any means. I'm not. You could ask my wife and you could ask my kids. You could probably ask other kids in the church who've encountered me. I'm not a pushover. I'm not telling you we need to be a pushover, but I'm telling you there's so much heart and there's so much understanding that goes into parenting. There's no cookie cutter approach. We have to be careful not to provoke them, not to feed their rebellion, keeping ourselves in check. You see, like I said last week, there's a word for wives, and I said, hey, wives, don't worry. God's got you covered because he keeps the husbands in check. Well, in the same way, there's a word for children, and the Bible that's perfectly balanced gives a word for parents, and it keeps us in check. And it says, don't provoke them. Don't just try to put a square peg in a round hole. It's our responsibility to actually prevent wrath. 
by keeping ourselves under control. Raising and developing people not just kids, we're not just dealing with little ones, we're not just dealing with the adolescent stage, but that we would produce people who are not full of wrath. That's our goal, that's our responsibility. Parents, further, we need to study our children in the different stages of life. Again, this is why it's not a cookie-cutter approach, because you have the infant stage. You have the toddler stage. You have then whatever the next stage is called, adolescence. Then you have the preteens and the teenagers, and you go on, and every stage is different. Diapers, potty training, toddlers, so on. Now, for us, we're dealing with puberty. That's a whole nother stage. That's a new one. But listen, guys, the bottom line is this. You know, my, my wife and I, we would say all along, since our first kid... Each day it felt like, we're like, it's just a stage. Sleeplessness, it's just a stage. And then we had three more. <laughs> it's just a stage. <laughs> it was a long stage, it was nine years. <laughs> it's just a stage. It's, whether it's sleeplessness or whether it's diapers or whether it's learning to walk and falling on their face or whether it's the rebellion that comes out so much in those toddler stages and so on, right? The bottom line is this, in all these stages, and with all the different kids that are represented among us, parenting is really, really hard. And it is an extremely high calling a great responsibility. But know this, guys, you're not alone. You ever get in a circle with other parents and you start talking about, oh, I don't know what to do. Man. My kids started doing this. Oh, yeah, mine did that last week. You can be sure of this. If your kid hasn't done it yet, they're about to. We can learn from each other. We can minister to one another in the body of Christ. But here's the thing, guys. As I said, parenting is really hard. You lose a lot of sleep. Honestly, the sleeplessness doesn't end, does it? It just changes. You don't sleep for different reasons as the kids get older. But the bottom line is this. We need Jesus as parents. And most importantly, guys, our kids need Jesus. And that brings us to this next point here but it says to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. This is our greatest responsibility. This is the key to parenting. I said last week I've unlocked the key to marriage. I haven't figured it out, but I know the key is in the Bible. Same thing with parenting. I haven't figured it out, but the key is in the Bible. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord to train them in the Lord. And the words here for training and admonition is discipline and instruction. Discipline's a tough one, right? That's a word we don't like to get into. But the Bible helps us with this. I don't know if you realize. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, he who spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him 
promptly. You got to deal with it. You have to deal with the disobedience. You have to discipline your kids. Now, it's clear spanking works. It's not abuse, guys. Don't let the culture of the day try to dictate to us, the church, what, what is opposite from what the Bible tells us. But again, the key is discipline. That's the key. We have to discipline our kids. We can't expect obedience. We can't expect honor if we don't discipline. It teaches our kids. And discipline, the Bible's clear with this. Discipline is necessary or your kids are going to end up rotten. It teaches our kids that they will be held accountable for their actions and that no one is above reproach. Even the Lord chastens those whom he loves. Further here, as it says, instruction, this instruction with discipline gives us discipleship. You put that together, guys, and we've got discipleship. We are raising disciples. But after what and after who? We need Jesus. I said that before. I'll say it again. As parents, we need Jesus. And this is the key. We need to teach our kids that they need Jesus more than anything else. And this is where the whole church comes in. Some of you guys might have checked out a long time ago because you're like, well, it doesn't apply to me. I'm not a parent. We need the church. We're raising up disciples. And us parents, please, I call on you. Would you help me in raising up my four little disciples? Let's do that for each other. And we see that happening in the church. We have a whole team of people in the back right now that are working out discipleship for our children. Amen? We praise the Lord for that. And as Sean would have me tell you, there's always a need for more. But guys, that's a high calling. That's a great responsibility because we're raising up the church of tomorrow back there. We're discipling tomorrow's church. It's so important. We don't just let them run around. We don't just have a a babysitting club back there. We teach them the word of God on their level so they could be discipled, so that they could be led, they could be brought up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. This is a partnership, church. The greater responsibility is on you parents, but it is a partnership. We need Jesus and our kids need Jesus. And so often, guys, we want our kids to be good. Right? We'll tell them that. Be good. But I always say this, I'd rather they be godly And honestly, the good follows the godliness. We get it the other way around, though. We're always trying to work out how are they acting? How are they representing me? Are their clothes clean? Is their hair done? And all this. And that's all fine. There's nothing wrong with this stuff, guys. But it's more important that we're working on cleaning what's going on inside than what's going on outside. It's more important that we teach them to fall in love with Jesus than anything else, training them up in the Lord rather than making sure 
they've got good grades, making sure they go to college, they get a degree, or making sure they're superstars in sports. Let's raise up superstars for Jesus. We so easily as parents get caught up in all these things that they're, they're good, lovely things. But is the priority godliness? That should always be the priority. Our culture today has dictated what is best for our kids. And far too often we just fall in line. They decide what's best for our kids, to what, what they should learn, what they should grow in. There's all sorts of horrible curriculum that's getting thrown at our kids in the public schools now. They're wrong. We know, parents, this is our responsibility. We know what's right for our kids because God has said, I'm entrusting these kids to you. So get involved. Pay attention. Find out what your kids are absorbing and what your kids are learning, what you're hearing. We talked about it several weeks ago. They are after our kids. The enemy is after our kids and the world who are servants of the enemy. Truly, guys, they're after our kids. And they're coming to tear down their ideas of what the Bible tells them is true. Bringing into question their image, which brings into question the image of God. Bringing into question their identity, which brings into question the image of God. Christian parents, we have a high calling to raise our kids in the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the gospel, reverence to God's word, and a love for Jesus. To live on solid biblical instruction. And not to just leave that up to the church. As we said even last week, husbands, to wash your wives in the water of the word, I encourage you to continue that and wash your family in the water of the word. The only Bible and the only Jesus that our kids hear or see or experience shouldn't be in church it should be first in home every single day. I want to close with this thought. As we look at the whole order that God has set up for the family, it's a glorious thing that God has designed. Godly marriage is how we can take up arms against the enemy and reproduce more disciples for the battle. In our, in our Built Life group this week, we began this discussion talking about how the enemy takes offense to godly marriage. He hates it because of what it produces. Godly offspring. Further even, raising our children to be in love with Jesus is some of the greatest preparation for the battle. This passage here is on the precipice of a passage on spiritual warfare. That's not by accident. How do, how do we prepare for the battle? 
We get things right in our marriage, in our family, and we produce kids that are going to make a difference in the world. In fact, Psalm 127, verses 3 and 4, a couple of my favorite verses. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Our kids are arrows to be launched, to be on the attack, on the offensive, to battle the enemy, and to change the world. We so often want to take our kids and collect them and protect them. And there's nothing wrong with protecting our kids, but are we preparing them for the battle? Because that's truly what we're all up against, the enemy prowling about like a roaring lion, seeking for whom he may devour. The battle is real. Are we raising arrows that are going to be launched out into the world to make a difference? Not just protecting them, preparing them. The great quote from Paul Tripp in his book called Parenting, which I highly recommend if you're looking for a good book out of the many, um, Paul Tripp, Parenting. Quote out of there says, good parenting, which does what God intends it to do, begins with this radical and humbling recognition that our children don't actually belong to us. They are the Lord's. Entrusted to us to train them up in the ways of the Lord. Making the main thing the main thing. Teaching them to love, to trust, and to walk with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we just say right now we need you. We are desperate for you. As we think of all the, the kids, the children that are represented here, Lord, our hearts break and, and we do confess that we have fear for what the future holds. But we thank you that we've been equipped by your word and by your spirit. We pray that you would just minister to our hearts, Lord. I pray for the parents in the room. Maybe there are parents who are struggling and maybe they're crippled by fear right now. Lord, would you give confidence in who you are and that you have entrusted their children to them for a purpose and for such a time as this, here and now in the year 2022. Remind us, God, that the message is always the same, that we need Jesus. In the midst of our lives, in the midst of our families, our homes, we need Jesus. Pour out your spirit, God. As always, I wanna just give you an invitation if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You see this, this word here for the church, and it all comes back to our relationship with Jesus it all stems from our relationship with Jesus. We can't, we can't be good godly parents and we can't have good godly kids if we're, 
if they're not walking with Jesus or we're not walking with Jesus. We all need Jesus. We need that relationship. If you've never given your life to him, and you'd like to do that today, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, a confession of faith. The truth of the gospel is real, it's relevant. Would you put your trust in Jesus and invite him into your life to be your Lord and Savior? And simply you can say these words, you can repeat these words and say, dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I believe in you. I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose from the dead. And I give you my life. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus' name.